Well, today we celebrate the feast of Saint uh, Bartholomew, and uh, we see him by by tradition. He's actually to be identified with this this guy that we see in in our gospel text called Nathaniel. So probably, if that's the case, then. Um, uh, Bartholomew was like a surname, it was kind of like his last name. Bar in Aramaic means son of, it's Bar Tolmai, it's the son of Tolmai. So then his first name, so to speak, would have been Nathaniel. So I like this passage here, um, because Jesus says about Nathaniel, well first of all, Nathaniel does a little jab at Nazareth, you know. It's kind of like, can anything good come out of Clyde? You know what I mean? Someone from Lyons saying that, you know. So he's got a little jab at Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Come on. And uh, and then Jesus says, well, this guy's a, a no-nonsense guy. There's no duplicity. He, he, he tells it like it is. So that kind of humorous sort of jab at Nazareth is an expression of, of Nathaniel, of Bartholomew's character of a, of a very straightforward person. And I find that to be something that is very, very important uh, to have. I don't know. There's probably few things that annoy me more than people who are duplicitous, two-faced. And, uh, you know, whenever I, I'm, you know, when, you, when I sense my, when I'm especially annoyed about something, I, I oftentimes it's a time to examine yourself, okay? Because you're like, lots of times you get annoyed, annoyed about something that it's actually, it's in you, <laughs> You know, and I, I can say though, thank God, by God's grace, over the years, I mean, I'm 41 right now, and in the past, I'd say 20 years or so, I have improved in that, in that regards, that I'm less and less duplicitous and less and less two-faced. And, uh, it started once, you know, before I came back into full union with the Catholic Church, I, and I, in my early 20s, I had associated with, um, evangelicals, and it, when I was in that kind of religious environment, I read a, a sermon by John Wesley, who's the founder of Methodism, and he talked about how it's important to, to uh, not badmouth anybody, and I think it was the first time I'd ever heard the, the, um, uh, the term detraction in this guy's homily. And uh, he said, basically, the, the gist of the homily was, don't speak negatively about someone who's not in your presence. Only speak negatively about people who are actually right in front of you. And if you if you keep to that rule, it kind of it cuts down quite a bit on the amount of negative speech that and, and critical speech that comes out of your mouth. And that uh, sermon I read from him really challenged me. And I think I started to change my ways. Not that I was especially duplicitous or something or two-faced before that. I probably never was. But, you know, it really made me start to change my ways. And then when I was getting deeper and deeper into Catholic moral theology, I said, oh my gosh, the Catholic Church has got this down to a science. I mean, all the different sins of the tongue. You know, there's all these different ones. And detraction is is a major one. It's talking negatively about someone who's not in your presence, kind of diminishing their their dignity, diminishing their reputation, uh, speaking negative things about them, especially that the people who you're talking to don't know, don't already know about. You know that's a really bad bad one. Okay, everybody has a right to a reputation, and uh, you, you really can't rob them of that, uh, even if they deserve it. You know, so detraction is talking negative things that are true about someone. Okay. Um, so th- this whole thing of being two-faced, you know, it's it's a real it's a real problem. I know um, 
when I was in seminary, you'd see the, I, I, I lived with seminarians from all over America, and so you see slightly different cultures from the different places in America. And um, I have to say that the guys from uh, the Bronx and Brooklyn were not duplicitous at all. They were really straightforward guys. Also, people from Texas as well. I noticed that as well. I, I thought that the Texans and like then the New Yorkers were really, you know, you can kind of trust them because they're going to tell you what they think, and that's it. You know, the people from the Midwest now, uh, the Midwesterners, the best of the best is that they're very polite and they they will they're extremely polite and they won't ever talk negatively or be rude to your face. The best of the best of that kind of culture, though, so be when you're not when they're not around, they just won't say anything bad. You know, the, it's like if you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything at all. So that's the best of the best with Midwesterners. But sometimes I think with the Midwesterners, they can be really, really nicey nice to your face. But if they don't have deep character behind your back, they're going to badmouth you, and you'll never know what they're thinking about you. You'll never know. <laughs> So you can't, with, with that kind of person, and I, you know, I'm saying, I'm not saying Midwesterners are like that, but I'm just saying that culture produces, you know, in its best case scenario, they're just really polite and courteous, and that's good, you know. Um, it's, it's better than the, the, the New Yorker who's not, doesn't have the, uh, doesn't have the kind of polish, you know, so it's, it's a virtue in that regards, but then the worst of the worst in that culture produces the, the kind of the two-faced person. So uh, why then do we do that? Why are we two-faced sometimes? I, I think there's a lot of reasons, one of which um, is, you know, you got this thing of, of like uh, people-pleasing. You just want to make everybody happy. You can't stand to disappoint people. And you know why? Because it makes you uncomfortable. So lots of times people-pleasers, it's not really about the other person. It's about them. It's they, they just can't stand to have anybody be a little bit annoyed at them. They feel... It's like this kind of a crisis that they go through. So they're all about people pleasing. And some funny things can happen when, you know, with people pleasers. If there's, especially if there's two people pleasers coming together, oh boy, you can really have some hilarious things. So common scenario, you know, uh, um, Susie and, and Joni. So Joni, uh, invites Susie out to go shopping with her and maybe buys her something or something like that. It's a nice gesture. Um, and, uh, you know, who are the two people? Just Susie and Joni. Yeah. So then Joni now, a few days later, she really doesn't want to invite Susie out shopping, you know, but she feels like she's got to pay her back. So she, before she goes out shopping, she calls her, you know, Susie, you want to go out shopping with me? You know, and Susie really does not want to go out shopping with Joni because she's just got other things to do with her day. But she says, oh, okay, yeah, sure. So here you have two ladies, neither of which actually want to be shopping with each other, and that's how they spend the whole day. <laughs> so that, that's the funny things that happen with it, with the people pleasing, and it's all—it's about a fear of like you don't want to ex, you experience uncomfortableness when someone's a little bit annoyed or whatever. So you avoid that at all costs. It's really not good because it, it avoids an authentic, deep relationship and trust with others. I think the other. Another, there's a lot of root causes of duplicity, but one of them, another one, is is you feel powerless. And so what you try to do is you try to manipulate and you try to get control of the situation behind the scenes because it's a way of regaining a power that you feel that you don't have. 
So you've got like the whole passive aggressive thing, which is hilarious, you know. Like you know that parking in a particular spot, you know, in the apartment complex really annoys your neighbor, and so you just keep doing it. <laughs> you just like kind of passive aggressive stuff could get really weird, you know. Like I know that my office mate really doesn't like it when I, you know, take my take his stapler. So every morning I take his stapler. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of a passive aggressive thing, you know, because the person themselves they feel like that they don't have power. Something, you know, they're they're in a life situation that they're not happy with. They're not happy with their marriage. They hate their job, and they they wish that they could be in another place with another person or whatever, but they feel like they can't get out of it. So they really feel powerless. And so, uh, as a kind of a compensation for themselves, they, they find ways of getting power behind the scenes, you know. <laughs> so, human, human sinfulness is, is, uh, very, very funny. And, um, we gotta have a sense of humor about it. Uh, but let's, let's ask God for the grace of, you know, always speaking what we think. And if what we think is negative and it's not worth speaking, we don't speak it, whether the person's present or not. And if it is worth speaking, we've got the courage to speak it and try to have a little bit of uncomfortable and confrontation for the sake of authenticity, for the sake of sincerity, because that's the only way we're going to have real relationships with other people and ultimately a real relationship with God. Notice I like on our responsorial psalms, psalm, your friends make known the glorious splendor of your kingdom. The apostles like St. Bartholomew, were close friends with Jesus. And the only way that they really had that authentic closeness and, and friendship is because they weren't duplicitous uh, like, like Bartholomew.